0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to Soaring to New Heights, the podcast through Boston College's Office of Global Education, where we connect with faculty, staff, and students to kind of discuss their global experiences. I'm here today with Saya, who studied abroad in Argentina, um, and I believe this is the first time I've been able to speak with a student study abroad in South America and one of the very few times that I've talked to a student who study abroad outside of Europe and so I I think we'll have a a much different conversation than I I likely have before Um, but I I think it'll be super interesting and also I'm super interested in Argentina I've never been but it was kind of at the top of my list when I when I thought about either studying abroad or um, actually we'll get into this later but applied to teach English as Fulbright in Argentina and was not selected. Um, so it's, it's really been a place that I've, I've wanted to learn more about, um, and I'm kind of interested um, in, in, I'm really interested in learning more about your experience, but I'll, I'll pass it over to you to, to introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, um, thank you. I'm Saya. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm a second semester junior at Boston College, and I was abroad last semester for six months, actually, so... Yeah, I'm super excited to share my experience because I definitely want a lot more students to be able to go to South America and feel comfortable and confident about that choice.
0: Yeah, and let's start there. Let's start with um, the the decision to study abroad in, in Argentina specifically. What kind of led you to what I would say is probably a more non-traditional location? I mean, there are many options even uh, that probably fit what your interests were. How did you end up getting to Argentina as that place.
1: Sure, well I have been studying Spanish for a long time and I really wanted an immersive experience in the language to kind of solidify my fluency. So I was looking at Spain and then places in South America and I am also an IS major. So lots of history, a lot of what I've learned has been from a very Western perspective. And so I kind of wanted to get new perspectives, learn something new or maybe like learn about the same things from different points of view so I had the option of going to either Argentina or Ecuador I Mm -hmm. believe it was um and Argentina really spoke to me just because they also had um an internship program that I could participate in while I was studying Mm -hmm. which we can talk about later but yeah that's kind of what led me to Argentina I really didn't know anything about the country or the city of Buenos Aires before I went there
0: um so, yeah. And it's interesting too because you mentioned uh, speaking Spanish. And one of the reasons that I was super interested in Argentina is uh, kind of the way that they speak Spanish uh, is a bit different than I think Spanish gets taught in classes. What was your experience, like you mentioned, like wanna grow, grow, wanting to grow your language proficiency? Uh, what was it like learning Spanish in Argentina?
1: Mm-hmm. It is super different. Uh-huh. Um, I have taken up to CCR2 of Spanish here at BC. And so I went to Argentina thinking, I'm going to be fine. Uh-huh. Like, maybe the first few weeks will be a bit tough. But I know enough to get around. That was untrue. Um, <laughs> I landed. I was in the airport. got into the taxi and was convinced I knew nothing of uh-huh. Spanish. It was so different. The accent is so different. They have a lot of... Different words, um, but I come back completely in love with the Argentinian accent. Uh-huh. So,
0: and what was it like thinking about the that moment when you you know you're in the taxi and you're trying to talk to the taxi driver and you're like oh my gosh like what what was this decision that I made? Come thinking about it now, how do you see your your Spanish proficiency?
1: I am always hesitant to say that I'm fluent. Um, just because I think that there are so many different dialects, so many different versions of the language that you can learn to be able to communicate with a certain group of people. Um, But I do kind of want to give myself credit and Mm -hmm. say that I took IR classes in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Um, I was living with a fully Spanish host mom. Mm-hmm. She didn't really speak English, so I was definitely forced out of my comfort zone in that way in the sense that I didn't get to speak a lot of English. Mm-hmm. And so I did develop some pretty decent Spanish no, no, you skills. You deserve to pat
0: yourself on the back. <laughs> there, there's no need to be modest. And, and, I, and what I wouldn't say is what something that my spanish teacher said to me that really kind of made me think about language proficiency and fluency because i do think that it becomes hard to say oh how do you know at what point do you become fluent right is it is it when you get when you say that you're at an advanced level in in the language or or a native language and she pointed out something to me once Um, if you take a child a um, seven-year-old and you communicate with them Um, at at a school, right, or at a store. Nobody would say that that seven-year-old child is not fluent in English. I mean, you're communicating with the child, like tell them to go pick something up, or or the child, children, ask like random questions all the time, (laughs) Um, but they're not grammatically incorrect many times. They're they're just sometimes weird. (laughs) Um, But no one questions if a child is fluent in a language. But their level of fluency in elementary school is different than someone who's a doctoral student in college, right? The way that they use the language, the mechanics of the language shift, but they're still both fluent in in the language most of the time. And fluency, I think, has to be looked at on on a spectrum, right? Your ability to communicate is indicative of your of your fluency, and so I, so I, I think it's fair for you to say that you're fluent it's been, if you can take a class in Spanish, an IR class in Spanish, you're fluent. <laughs>
1: No, that's super interesting. And I think, like, the school I was at in Buenos Aires mm-hmm. really lent itself to a super good community to be mm-hmm. able to learn Spanish because a lot of students at, I was at UCA, had, had to and, learn and English. I
0: to, what UCA is?
1: Universidad Católica um, Pontificia. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so a lot of students there, a lot of people there have had to learn English. And so they're really forgiving with you because yeah. they hope that you'll be forgiving with them. And I was in a group with a lot of other international students as well. So we were all kind of struggling to find a common ground between Spanish and English. And I just thought that was super cool that there were so many different versions of the same language being spoken in the same environment. And,
0: and you were taking classes with students from where?
1: I, it was a mix. So mm-hmm. I had a few classes with international students just in the international program at the school and then also with students from Buenos Aires who were attending the school regularly.
0: And some of those international students are from?
1: Um, we had kids from France, Germany, the Netherlands, uh, lots from England, a few from the US, not as many as I expected. Mm-hmm. I think that
0: and that well, I, that's something that I always thought was fascinating is that when you are communicating with um, someone in your non-native language or right? maybe your second or third language and then they're communicating to you in their second or third language and I think about the, when I was in college um, there was a student from China and a student from France um, and they got together they were in a relationship and I was like oh. How? <laughs> you know, I, I was like, how? you're both, I mean, you're communicating in English, yes, but there has to be, like, complexities that, like, in your native language, or it's really hard to convey in English, that now, like, you're both missing, but but to your point, it has to be doable, right? You, have, it, you, you eventually develop a capacity to communicate in a language where, even if it's neither person's native language, you're able to convey your ideas on a complex level.
1: Yeah, for sure, and it was definitely difficult at first because I felt like even though I could communicate sufficiently in Spanish my personality didn't necessarily come across yes. in Spanish yes. um, so that kind of lessened my confidence a little bit because I could engage in conversation but I couldn't have the personality I would have had in English. Yes. I,
0: I, I'm, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I remember when I was in high school and I think about this question now and I was like gosh who was I thinking but I remember asking my Spanish teacher, I was like, can you be sarcastic in Spanish? And I don't know why I thought sarcasm was something that only could exist in English. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't know, what do you think? And I was like, I don't know, i just ask you. Like, I don't really, I don't, <laughs> I don't really understand. Um, but yeah, like certain things are hard, harder to do when they come with like a more complex development, I think, of language. But to your point, um, you know, kind of about your courses and the, and the distinction between the moment you get in that taxi and to the moment you come back you develop some of those skills that I, I think are really helpful. But I'm also interested in um, what you just mentioned earlier about your internship, right? Because you, you're taking yeah. classes, but you did something else uh, extra that, that that's not really always available to students who go abroad.
1: Yeah, no, I'm so grateful to have had that opportunity. Uh, the program that was affiliated with both BC and UCA. Um, set that up for me and so I was interning about like 10 to 15 hours a week for an NGO called Decho, um, and that organization is all across South America but obviously I've set it in the Buenos Aires office and they work on the kind of socio-urban integration of um, neighborhoods that are like lower income mm-hmm. and so being in Buenos Aires like there was a very big difference between the city proper and the people that were, I don't know, a little bit of higher class, Mm -hmm. richer, uh, more educated. And then there's literally a wall through the city that separates the vishas, which are like the low-income neighborhoods. Vichas, Vichas, Vishas, yeah. Um, And so the organization was working to integrate the city and their platform was that Buenos Aires as a city cannot progress if that integration doesn't occur because one part will always be lagging Um, so I there is a law in Buenos Aires that tries to connect the government to actual like organizations within the Vichas to create a collaboration and help that integration Um, so while I was there, the law was being reformed, um, and I was kind of working to create awareness for that law so that it mm-hmm. could pass through, and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and how did you get connected, right? You said that there was a relationship in the beginning. Did Did you have a selection of, of internships to choose from, or was it like a placement?
1: Yeah, so the program is called Puentes mm-hmm. Abroad, um, I think the majority of their staff are actually from the US yeah. that studied abroad in Argentina and went back to live there created this program um, so they yeah they set it up they had a number of organizations that they're affiliated with have sent students to in the past yeah. um, so it's kind of like they'll present some options to you you get to choose um, and then those organizations can come back and look at your student applications and it's like and did you choose this one I, well, that's funny. <laughs> this was actually not one that uh-huh. I had applied to or even knew existed. Yeah. But when this kind of came back and said, well, this is what we have available. We had students there in the past. And I was like, sure, great. Yeah. Sounds, I'll try it out. And, I,
0: and, I, and I, it seems like you liked it. I won't put words in your mouth. But I, what, what I often think can be difficult about studying abroad is like a integration or a greater understanding of like where you are. Um, and I, and I say that I think when I reflect back on my time I studied abroad in Spain, I don't know a lot about the city that I studied abroad in. I know it's a smaller city outside of Madrid. That's there's one McDonald's. Like there are things that I can tell people about. It was called Alcalá de Henares. Miguel Cervantes is from there, but but, but from a. From, from the level that you're talking about right? Talk, I don't know anything about the local laws in, in the city I don't know anything about the distinctions and social classes in the city and I think what you're talking about is a, a level of understanding in a study abroad program that's really um, difficult to, to, to ascertain um, and this internship allowed you to kind of have a, develop a greater understanding do, do you feel like you interacted with Um, a wider population of people in Buenos Aires because of the internship?
1: Oh absolutely, Mm. yeah, as part of my internship I actually got to speak with some of the people living in the Vichas, they call them Barrios Populares Mm -hmm. because they're low-income neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. high concentration of people, not many resources. Um, And I got to speak with them about their experiences, what they're doing in the government, Uh, and they also like reflected to me about what my work was doing to help them, and I like that was just so rewarding.
0: I'm, I'm interested in the comparison to the United States. You, you, t- you talked about these specific barrios, and um, and I, I think when we think of um, poorer neighborhoods um, in the United States, uh, uh, maybe, whether they be or particularly more urban areas, there's also like a a disproportionately high number of people of color um, that live in those areas. But the demographics of Argentina are a bit different than the United States. Are are there unique demographic circumstances of the people who you work with who might have lived in those barrios in in comparison to maybe something that you would have noticed in the U.S.?
1: Yes, I'm actually so glad you asked that. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about this earlier today because I take a class on contemporary race theory. Mm. Um... But yeah, so I personally noticed that the people that live in the Barrios Populares tend to have darker skin tones, mm-hmm. tend to have more indigenous backgrounds versus yeah. your common person from Buenos Aires who is really white is, yeah. you could say, really European in the sense that like that's the culture they try to emulate, the mm-hmm. language, the food. Um, so on and so i brought it up to the organization that i would be interested in kind of researching how racial delineations play a role in how people Mm -hmm. receive certain salaries or how they're treated in the city and how like it's cyclical that they can't get out of these barrios populares or these Mm vishas um And I was kind of met with an attitude that, oh, that's really interesting that you can bring, like, that from the U.S. because the U.S. has a lot of problems with racism, but we don't. Like, there's no racism here. And I heard that from so many people, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is really sad, but also super interesting because the way that race is experienced in other countries is obviously very different than here.
0: Well, say more about that. What do you think, um, you know, from your experience, thinking about the way that, you, you've seen race conceptualized here in the United States, and your and your time setting abroad. Uh, what, what do you think some of those differences about the way that race presents itself looks like?
1: Um, I would say that obviously the history of slavery, mm-hmm. um, Americanism in the U.S. has done a lot of damage mm-hmm. in the sense of structural, systemic racism that we now experience today. Um, But there's also a lot of individuality, I think, that comes with the idea of being Mm -hmm. American. And so people are categorized, and obviously they don't always fit into certain categories that the government will try to place them in, but that was something very different from what I experienced in Argentina, where there's a huge immigrant population, Mm -hmm. and while the majority of them do tend to be Italian, European, white, The rest of them like they have to blend in they don't get to hold on to any sense of like their ethnicity their culture because if they do they're persecuted Mm, i don't want to say to a higher extent than in the united states but just in a way that is perhaps more tangible there
0: no and i and i think what it sounds like you're speaking to and correct me if i'm wrong right is that there whether it be true or not is a large-scale narrative about um the United States kind of be a like a mixed pot of, right. of, of individuals, and you know we're blending together to form this. But there, there's some there's a level of individuality here where you can see, um, you know, some of the, the ingredients right in the soup, um, and, and 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 sometimes in other countries, particularly countries that may be a bit more collectivistic, um, there, there's a bigger push right to just be a part of the group. Um, you know, and, and assimilate is a strong word, but um, you know, that, that is a, a driving force in, in the culture. Um, and, and I'm not, not that I've been to Argentina, but I think that that's an interesting thing that you point out, kind of, about, um, about your experience in working with a, you know, in, in, in that particular neighborhood um, and what that may have looked like. And kind of personalizing it, though. What was your experience like in Argentina? What what, what some were some of the things that you found um, to be really interesting or also maybe even really difficult?
1: Yeah, so uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but part of the reason I also wanted to go to South America is because just because skin color is such a defining characteristic in the United States, I thought that maybe because my skin color is more similar to people from South America, I might fit in a little bit better. I might seem like less of a foreigner and I might be able to thus have like a more immersive experience. Um so that's where I fold myself a little bit because I didn't realize <laughs> how white Buenos Aires is and just to your point earlier that the US is a mixing pot, so is Buenos Aires. Like yeah almost everyone you meet there will say oh I have roots from Italy I have roots from France and so that's where I think it becomes a little bit problematic to say that we want to create like this collectivist Buenos Aires culture uh, and not recognize how many different cultures are at play within that Uh, but yeah just kind of So I was definitely, like, I was wrong. I Mm -hmm. did not necessarily fit in. Like, people would yell at me on the street, like, Mm -hmm. call me black, call me brown. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was never, like, I never felt like it was derogatory. It was more just people notice and they say something. And that's what we would consider racist here.
0: And that's an extremely interesting point because I think there's a big conversation to be had around you know cultural norms around, around around race. When I studied abroad in Spain, similarly, I remember once my host mom gave me something to give to another student, oh, maybe like a sandwich or something. It was a black student, mm-hmm. um, and, and um, you know, she she used the word la morena, just referencing uh, that the other student was black. But that's that'd be it'd be weird in the United States to be like, oh, can you get this sandwich to the other black girl? Yeah. Um, but when I think about it now, I'm like, well, it's not. It is a legitimate fact, <laughs> um, and, and it's a different way of communicating that I think requires like a level of nuance that um, that is interesting <laughs> to, to to kind of work through. And to your point about Argentina, it is funny because I think that Argentina, particularly Buenos Aires, well, not particularly Buenos Aires, but Argentina and Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires, a also that looks. And feels a little different than other places in Latin America, mm-hmm. um, in a way that's super unique, particularly with the history of, of immigration from Europe, uh, part, uh, especially around World War II. Um, and 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 that's a, a good point. And you're saying that you know from from your experience, these are not things that you might have known before. Well, these are not things that you knew before you went, like the the you know the, the racial demographics in Buenos Aires in comparison to maybe other places in Latin America.
1: Yes, and that was definitely part of my culture shock when mm-hmm. arriving in Buenos Aires because I was told that, you know, the supermarkets, they're called chinos. Yeah, because, that's the same in Spain. Okay, yeah. Um, And I was <laughs> just shocked by that. Blue exactly, mind, yeah. and then you have indigenous people that are literally referred to as indios. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's... I met an indigenous man. He was my tango instructor. Oh, wow. And he calls himself that. Like, yeah. he refers to himself by that name and yeah. I was like
0: wow. in the United States that would be hard to conceptualize. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was definitely different and I still struggle with it in the sense that I don't necessarily think it was right while I was there and I wanted to initiate change and I tried to with my my internship and now I look back on it and I think, maybe that wasn't right for me to do.
0: Oh my God. I'm so happy you mentioned that too. I have this conversation all the time. Um, I go into this story all the time about, so I lived in Indonesia for a while. It's not a very, uh, uh, like uh, it's not as open to being uh, uh, LGBT. Sure. Uh, or open, uh, uh, openly gay, queer, in, uh, as, as the United States would be. And I remember when I was like on my way there, I would be like, they will have to accept it. Like, I'm gonna be out, I'm gonna let people know, and it's not gonna be a problem. And I, like, maybe six months in, a volunteer who had been, I was a Peace Corps volunteer, a volunteer who was here before me, uh, was like, why? Like, why? Why? (laughs) What do you gain, one, right? Like, are are you in this serious, like, state of anxiety all the time from not telling other people? And I was like, no, not really. It's not like I've never been closeted before. Um, And um, she was also like, what does it do? For the community, and it made me think so hard about what is my role as this person from the United States going into the Global South and trying to tell people you have to act like me, <laughs> um, you have to accept right. there's a distinction between accept me from who I am or for who I for who I am, and um, accept this like I this is how I want your culture to shift, and so. I think you're speaking to kind of like, a, like a, the messiness that comes with going to other places and trying to understand what your personal values are cult, as it relates to, like, you know, cultural, inter- intercultural interactions. And then, you're, and then that country's, you know, values and beliefs about, about different cultures. And I, and I think that that could be really complex, but I think you, you talked about it really well and how, how um, hard that can be. Uh, yeah, no, in it's, that process.
1: It's definitely hard. And I think, I mean, now looking back on it, I was in a group of international students who were all studying international relations. I concentrate in ethics and social justice. Mm-hmm. We all had similar values. And so it was a tough pill to swallow to see, I don't know, the extent of poverty or mm-hmm. what was so clearly racist to me and my friends mm-hmm. being completely normal to others. And I wanted to be a part of the culture and I wanted to be a part of that space for at least the time that I was there. And I kind of grappled with accepting that desire yeah. while realizing that maybe it's not me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that you were in Argentina during the World Cup. Yes. <laughs> um, and I cannot imagine... What, and not only just in Argentina, in Buenos Aires. I've seen the photos. Um, and, I mean, it looks amazing. What was that like for you?
1: It definitely looks amazing. It's <laughs> a feat that I would assume is ima- like not imaginable for people in the uh-huh. U.S. because that level of chaos and yes. it, it just can't happen, right? Yes. We have the National Guard whatever, uh-huh. um, but yeah, the common photos where you see kind of like the obelisk yes. and all the people around it I was there, uh-huh. I was in that crowd <laughs> um, and it was amazing uh-huh. um, you definitely had like, I don't know, you're drunks, whatever, yeah. rowdy behavior, but it was just like such a huge feeling of Community and everyone was so happy, and it was permeable. And in that moment, like all of the issues that we talked about previously, they didn't exist. Like, yeah. there was no such thing as yeah. the difference between Vichas and Buenos Aires proper, mm. and there was no such thing as like differences in skin color, mm-hmm. differences in immigration background. Um, so that was really amazing. And I do want to point out that. Wow, well, it was amazing for a few minutes. Uh-huh. It was also chaos. yeah um, the, like the streets were destroyed. There was uh-huh. no ability for emergency vehicles to get through to people who yeah. needed yeah. needed them, and people died.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, people died.
0: yeah. and and that's important to recognize, right? that in i I, I, th- I think you uh, very quickly highlighted two really incredible points. One, something, as a non athletic person, I don't think too often about, but really how sports, right, is a, is a such a strong connector. Um, right? It, it unifies in a way, I mean, you look at a million examples through, through, through our country's history, but it unifies in a way that I think um, uh, is, is so important, right? To show that there's a piece of humanity that, that can be connected for a shared common interest or goal, even if it's around competition. But the other thing that I think you highlight um, that sometimes can, can be looked over is like in our elation for, like, uh, whether it be some type of national pride or, or, or it be uh, just for like some type of personal interest that we can, we, we have to take note um, of uh, people who, who, who may suffer, right, for our own personal interest. Um, and I think that that example from, um, Buenos Aires uh, is is a key example of, of what that may look like um, both of great joy and great loss at the same time and I, and I think that that can be um, it, it's important to be able to hold both of those uh, simultaneously I am um, I, I, I am super impressed <laughs> and uh, and I mean your experience studying abroad I think um, really highlights the like the importance of of study abroad and why um, why I think it can be so transformational and and the, the, the way that students come back and think really really deeply about the moments that they had and I know that there's so much more that that we could talk about and I hope that there are other times on campus where you can kind of talk about your experience we, we didn't get into it but I was I really had hoped to, to get into a conversation about the fact that you uh, are a vegetarian but you went to a place that's really much kn- really known for its that meat. That was
1: also big yes. <laughs> um,
0: but I, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time I'm, I'm so happy that, that you were able uh, to, to connect with Osaya and I'm, I'm, I'm really um, happy that that you had such a profound experience uh, studying abroad and, and what it means to you. I want to thank everybody for listening uh, to today's episode. I also particularly want to thank you Saya uh, for such an incredible uh, so such incredible stories that you were able to share.
1: No, oh, thank you. And thank you for giving me this platform to share them because I think that the experience really was amazing. And while it was hard, it was transformative. And I hope that maybe some part of this can inspire other students to go outside their comfort zone for their study abroad experiences as well.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure it will. And, and, and thank you. And to the audience, as always, have a great day.